And welcome back to CBS Sports Radio. I am Vince Quinn, and joining me, one of my favorite people that covers the NFL, a Philly man, which means he knows the league better than anybody, Jeff Kerr, NFL writer, CBS Sports. Jeff, what's going on, man? Hey, Vince, how's it going? <laughs> uh, as an Eagles fan, I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. <laughs> it's uh, It's been a messy couple of weeks, and, and that game on Thursday was a disaster. Um, we could get to all that stuff, though. We'll, we'll sort out my emotions later. But the, but the most important thing right now is Antonio Brown signs with the Bucks. Jeff. Like, what do you think of this whole thing? Well, it tells me that the Bucks are going for it. They're going for a Super Bowl title, and... It's actually kind of incredible that Tom Brady was able to uh, wield his power of influence to get Antonio Brown. It's, I don't know what his loving relationship is with this guy, but he has to have Antonio Brown on his football team. I, I don't understand it. Like, last year, it made plenty of sense. that We found out he didn't have any receivers with the New England Patriots outside of Julian Emmett. I mean, you know, guys like Ryan Nitto and Matt LaCroix. Uh, I forgot how to say the other tight end name. I mean, they're just not cutting it. But in Tampa, you have Scotty Miller. And that's our third receiver. You have Brock. You have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. You have Tyler Johnson. You don't need Antonio Brown. It, it just seems to me like an embarrassment of riches at this point. Well, yeah, and so how does that shake out? Like, I'm trying to think of the depth chart. Who is, you know, it's weird to say that either, I guess, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin is the third receiver. I, I don't know what to say. The way it's set up, the way, especially with how Evans is playing, you would think he'd be the odd man out, but you need a big body like him on the outside, and you can't bench Godwin. So I guess Scotty Miller would be the odd man out here, and it looks like the Bucks will go to more 11 personnel than that 12 personnel they have when, uh, with Gronk and Cameron Braid, even though the Bucks' offense moved pretty well last week against, uh, I don't want to say it was, it was good Green Bay defense, but they're an average defense, and the Bucks were able to move the ball pretty efficiently against them last week. Well, yeah, so for the offense to be what it has been already, the talent they have, and now kind of the log jam, right? You wonder about touches and all this different stuff. Obviously, the baggage of Antonio Brown. I mean, obviously, like, do you just think this is going to work? You would think, right? I mean, here's the thing. It's not like Antonio Brown's coming in here and being the alpha male, the superstar. Well, he might be the alpha male. But, well, yeah. he's but he doesn't have to carry this football team. He can just kind of be alone for the ride. It's kind of like a slot receiver, maybe even a punt returner, and kind of just enjoy life a little bit. I know that's hard for Antonio Brown to do because the guy's Instagram is all over the place and his Twitter's all over the place. But if Antonio Brown can keep quiet and stay out of trouble and act, Bruce Arians might be one of the few people he actually listens to in this world, and Tom Brady might be the other one, it might be a really good sign for Tampa. And we'll see how it goes. Now, we're talking with Jeff Kerr, who's a national NFL writer for CBS Sports. So let's go from one wide receiver to another because you get all these stories with Michael Thomas, and there's speculation that maybe Michael Thomas could be getting traded now. Like, what's the deal there? Well, here's the thing with Michael Thomas, and I don't know if you saw the tweet tonight, Vince, but Sean Payton actually tweeted something about, like, it was a shot at Mike Florio, too, I think, who had the report that, that's why outsiders are never on the inside. Right? So basically, Sean Payton pretty much denied all speculation of them trading Michael Thomas. I mean, I almost acquired Michael Thomas in my fantasy league the other week, and I'm kind of glad I stayed away from that with his injury history right now. But it, it just seems like Michael Thomas and the Saints have some things to work out. It's obviously not contract-related. I think Michael Thomas is kind of like 
Zach Ertz and a lot of these other athletes that are off the slow starts. I think they are these guys that they need the full minicamp. They need the full offseason to get in the game shape, and they just did not have that this year. And Michael Thomas got injured early, and it's been week to week, and I'm sure he's getting frustrated because he really wanted to break his own receptions record this year. He knows that can't happen, but now if you're the Saints, you're thinking, hey, look, we're in pretty decent shape here. We're going to make the playoffs. It's a 17 playoffs. Let's get this guy healthy. Yeah, and th- that's really what it's got to be. So, okay, so you figure he stays in the Saints. Ultimately, they they work this out and make the playoffs. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look, Emmanuel Sanders is having a great year for them, but outside of those two, they really don't have any other weapons. I'm not counting Taysom Hill as part of this equation here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Taste of Hill is a bit of a polarizing one, and we can save that for another day. Let's go to something that I think everybody in the football world can agree is just the most miserable, terrible thing of all time. The NFC East, Jeff. Is there anything more fun than watching NFC East football these days? I feel blessed that I got to watch the Giants and the Eagles Thursday night, and I get to watch the Cowboys and the Washington football team tomorrow. I'm so excited. We get double dose of NFC East this week. Instead of them getting embarrassed by the entire league, they get to embarrass each other, which is even better. Well, yeah, and you look down the schedule, there's a lot of like really good division matchups and things this week. It's, it's a really good week, but with the NFC East here, when you have this kind of, for the Giants, right, because you lose to the Eagles, they theoretically had a chance to be first place in the division. Um, they've got Daniel Jones and Saquon partying out in New York. What, what do you make of that whole deal? I just don't get what they're possibly thinking of. Like, you and I both know you got to wear a mask out in public, especially in New York, of all places. They're public figures. Everybody knows who Daniel Jones is. Everybody definitely knows who Saquon Barkley is. I, as far as bad as the Giants are, they're still at that, like, Derek Jeter level of popularity. Uh, if you see them in Times Square, you know who they are. Like, I don't know what these guys were possibly thinking. Even if they were in a private club, you're still not saying a good example. Oh, and by the way, your team is one in six. You're not exactly a good football team. Daniel Jones is probably the only professional football player I know in the history of the National Football League to actually trip when there's no one within 20 yards of him. <laughs> I, I don't. It just shows you what dumpster fire is trying to Oh, and Saquon Barkley, what are you doing riding a bike? Aren't you getting surgery next week? Yeah, that was a weird little detail that got dropped in all that. It was like, really? This guy's riding? It, it's also weird that he hasn't gotten the surgery yet either, no? Yeah, what's he waiting for? Like, this happened six, seven weeks ago that he injured his ACL. I, I, maybe not that long. I, I guess five or six weeks ago. But still, you know, as we saw with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, it takes a full year to recover. Like, so is Saquon Barkley waiting until next October to come back to the Giants? Is he trying to use them as leverage to get a new contract? I mean, who who knows at this point? But you figure an ACL, especially a reconstruction surgery, you would get that right away. Yeah, instead he's, you know, riding bikes around and not wearing a mask, and the Giants are having a great time. They're starting to sell players now. The Jets are starting to sell players. And uh, is that going to be the end of the line with all of this, Jeff? Like, is it just the Giants and the Jets selling off this year? You think anybody else says, you know what, screw it, we're heading to the bottom? I mean, the Giants and the Jets are two of the obvious ones. Uh, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will end up selling some players, whatever players they have left. I mean, they kind of already sold most of their players, or at least their their one blue-chip player, Yank Nagakwe. But um, it's weird because... A couple of the guys I talked to at work, uh, Jonathan Jones, our national uh, reporter for CBS, he said, I thought the Bengals would sell, and he said they might not do anything, which is weird because they have a situation on their hands with Carlos Dunlap and Geo Atkins right now. They're losing snaps. They're, they're losing playing time. These guys are in their early 30s, and they want to win, but they also want to be in Cincinnati. But they also want to play, too. Like Their, their careers are running out of here. They're still productive players. So 
I would think Cincinnati would want to sell and try to get more draft picks. They didn't do it last year when they should have. Maybe this year they could rectify that with two solid players. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, I think, should sell. I, I mean, I don't know who you would possibly trade. Maybe you can get some interest for uh, younger players like uh, Russell Gage or someone like that. I wouldn't trade Julio Jones. Uh, yeah, how about this, Vince, for a crazy move? What about trading Todd Gurley? Wouldn't that be interesting? Wow, that would be interesting because you know what? I was looking at Gurley. Uh, I've seen little bits of the Falcons games, and he's looked pretty good this year. You can trade him, good. and he's on a one-year deal. Like any team that needs a running back, I'm sure they would take Todd Gurley right now. Uh, maybe a team like the New England Patriots takes the gamble. I know they, they probably won't trade with the Falcons anymore after the Mohamed Sanu thing. Like when the Falcons sold last year, they did an excellent job of they got a second-round pick for a terrible player like Mohamed Sanu. Um, the Houston Texans, maybe. Maybe they sell now that they don't have a GM. Uh, you know, they, they really don't have a head coach either. I mean, they're not getting rid of Deshaun Watson anytime soon, but who knows? Uh, maybe some of these receivers would be available. Uh, I doubt they trade someone like Brandon Cooks, like Kenny Stills is in the last year of his contract. Maybe you try to trade off a guy like him, uh, Zach Cunningham, uh, the star linebacker, you know, because their defense isn't good anyway. It's, a, it's not like the Texans are going anywhere. So those would be the teams I would look at. Maybe maybe the Washington football team, but again, this is year one under Ron Rivera. They're not exactly in a – I mean, unless you could get a taker for Dwayne Haskins, which I doubt. Or, But besides that, Washington is I, – I don't want to say they're – because they're not going to buy, but they're probably not going to sell either. They, they just don't have – much to offer outside of the, their pass rush, and why would you get rid of that? That's the strength of your team. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm really looking at it realistically, I would say the Bengals, the Falcons, the Texans, maybe the Detroit Lions, and uh, the Giants, Jets, and Jaguars. Well, yeah, a lot of teams, and a lot of teams with horrible records at this point in the year, so uh, not too surprising in that regard. Now, the last one for you, Jeff, and we're talking with Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports, the Vikings go and make a trade. I mean, they just added Yannick Ngakwe a couple of months ago, and they already moved him to the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, what's the situation there? Well, that's the crazy thing, Vince. Like, he was there for six weeks. And I guess the Vikings, when they made the deal, it made plenty of sense, but they pretty much gave away high draft capital, restructured Ngakwe's deal only for Baltimore to get him at a cheaper rate and not pay him as much, oh, and he'll probably end up signing a long-term deal with the Baltimore Ravens because that's what um, the Baltimore Ravens do. They did with Marcus Spears last year. They kind of got him. I don't want to say they got him at a bargain price because they did pay a second-round pick for him, but Marcus Spears is probably one of the most underrated cornerbacks in football, and you pair him next to Marlon Humphrey, who probably is the most underrated cornerback in football, and look how dominant they've been. And now you got Yannick Ngakwe paired next to Clay Campbell, which I think the two I, – I did the math earlier today, but I – I think the two combined over their three years in Jacksonville had like 51 sacks or something like that. May have even been higher than that. But that's the thing to think about. It's you got pretty much the bookends of the Saxonville defense in Wake Martindale scheme, which Baltimore for some reason says they need a pass rusher, which I don't know why because they're in the top three in the NFL in sacks. And yeah, okay, you don't have that much at defensive tackle, but who cares? With all the pressure you're getting on the edge and that linebacker. And then you got the two best cornerbacks in the league. I mean, you pretty much could ditch Earl Thomas and say, we don't need you because you're bad for our locker room. I mean, the Ravens are a really scary football team. It's a shame they can't beat the Kansas City Chiefs because I just feel like they could beat everybody else. And now, and now Jan Nagakwe has a week to learn this playbook. That team is going to be so, so scary the rest of the season. Oh, yeah, and probably for the rest of his career because you figure every guy that goes to the Ravens, it always works, and uh, it's it's just destiny. So you look at that movie go, yeah, of course, and everything's miserable again. So And, and uh, perfect, Vince, because he's from the DMV area, and he went to Maryland. 
Wow. So, yeah, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense then. It's a, it's an even better story than I thought. And that's all good info, which is why we bring you on this fine show, Jeff Kerr, NFL writer with CBS Sports. Jeff, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me, Vince.